Canuck Central, hour number two. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler. A proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. If you missed hour one, uh, we go through what the latest is with the Vancouver Canucks and how they haven't been able to get the things done that they've wanted to get done to this point. Also, Frank Saravalli, our insider on what could be happening here in the next few days with the Canucks and especially around the league with free agency upon us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of inter- interesting things to dig through. And we talked about the JT Miller situation and people are saying they're going to lose JT for nothing next year at the deadline because they'll be in a playoff spot or something. That's a nightmare scenario. You can go back and listen to it and I'll reiterate, I will. St- I would still be very surprised if we head into next season with JT Miller on the team if he does not have an extension. Sat, if that happens, I'll be like Jason Siegel and I love you, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this is my nightmare. <laughs> when they're on the golf course. I know. And, and it's that's me. And but honestly, it'll be a lot of chaos. <laughs> I'm I'm here for chaos, but you know. Chaos is is always uh at least some kind of fun uh for at least what we do here on Canucks Central. We'll have uh, more on the Canucks and what's happening around them. This hour will continue. Don Taylor is going to join us later on. We'll dive back in there. But the Chicago Blackhawks raising a lot of eyebrows around the league with how they've approached this offseason and how they've approached the scorched earth rebuild that they are now going into under new GM Kyle Davidson. Let's bring in Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times. Thanks for this, Ben. How are you? Uh, it's been a busy stretch, but uh, yeah, happy to happy to be on. <laughs> so, uh, how are uh, how are Chicago hockey fans responding to to what's gone on the last uh, week or so? Well, there's definitely um, a lot of angst, um, a lot of just kind of um, questioning what the future is going to be. I, I think most fans do agree that this team needed to rebuild. Uh, they've been waffling back and forth from one plan to another for the past five years and nothing has really worked. So I think there's support for um, rebuilding, um, but just the way they've done it has certainly um, been, been worth some skepticism. Um, I think they think it's justified, but there's multiple ways to look at it. And one fact of rebuilds are that once you get in them, it requires a lot of pain. It's mm-hmm. not fun. That's something Davidson has emphasized repeatedly. So while fans maybe like it in theory, um, it's a little bit tougher when you get into it. Um, but really, it's really going to be a waiting game to see if these um, obviously much analyzed decisions end up working out in the end. Well, and, you know, I find it interesting. The criticism, I think, is more rooted in we don't like rebuilds as opposed to these trades aren't bringing back value. Now, I understand the Debrinket trade, you know, it's, it's debatable about did they get enough for him and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, it, it was a high draft pick. It wasn't like they didn't get, you know, a decent amount of picks. And, you know, over the next three drafts, including this past year, what they've had, they're going to have 12 picks in the first two rounds. They've made 12 selections in the next two rounds. So as far as going scorched earth and, and getting as many assets as possible and clearing up cap space, you can say they've accomplished their goals, right? I would actually kind of disagree with you there in terms of what fans uh, thoughts are. I think there is a lot of support for the rebuild in general. Right. I think it's the specific trades that people haven't been super um, supportive of because they haven't gotten back as much as expected. I mean, Davidson admitted himself that with the David with the Debrinket trade, um, he did kind of expect going into the process that he would be able to get more for Debrinket than uh, just the seventh round pick and the second round pick. 
I mean, the seventh overall pick and the second round pick. I mean, he got two firsts for Brandon Hagel, who uh, is a very good player, uh, but but not the same as Dabrinkit. Um, it really all comes down to the contract situations. Uh, Dabrinkit only has one year left at $6.4 million. Uh, he'll need another deal at at least $9 million after that, and he'll be just one year away from being a UFA, um, whereas Hagel is much younger, is signed for much longer and cheaper. Um, but, yeah, I think everyone expected that the Brinkett trade would get back more. Uh, the Doc trade is probably a fair return to get the 13th pick and the third rounder, but um, he was just the third overall pick three years ago, so it is disappointing to see his Hawks tenure end at this point, even if it probably is fair um, considering how it's gone. Um, and then to let Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik walk as um, unqualified RFAs today uh, also has some fans frustrated. I think the Hawks' response, which is true from what I've heard, is that there just really wasn't that much trade interest in either guy, um, even if you'd kind of think there would have been. Um, so that's part of why they really weren't able to get any assets for them. But there's multiple ways of looking at everything, um, and, and it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all pans out over time. Uh, you you should rebuild. No, not not like that. <laughs> this is uh, yeah. This is this yeah. is kind of how it's going. But it does feel like um, you know the, the the Chicago Cubs did this uh, not so long ago and on the baseball side, and obviously it ended up in in winning a title. Uh, Chicago, like the Blackhawks were pretty bad uh, before this era. Uh, won them a few cups. You know, uh, Chicago fans should know kind of what this looks like and feels like. But this is just really like an unashamed we are we are tanking for Connor Bedard and and going for some big time pain it just you, you kind of have to do it the one thing i wonder about now though is are Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane maybe more inclined to waive their no move clauses because of how ugly it might be in Chicago this year on the ice yeah, that is the looming question at this point, and we still don't really know. Um, it's up to them. Uh, the Hawks have said they're not going to push them to, to try to accept a trade. They've earned that respect to make their own decisions for as far as their future, and um, we still haven't heard from either of them since the end of the year as far as what they've thought about all this. I know Taves was seen briefly at uh, the practice arena today with, while development camp was going on on the ice. Um, but, yeah, we still don't really have clarity in what the, those guys are thinking, and it's just kind of a waiting game to see. I'm sure the Hawks would, if they are going to ask for a trade, would prefer that happen pretty soon uh, before teams around the league have committed a lot of cap space. And uh, while there might still be a market for them, I think if they wait until maybe August, it could be a lot tougher to move them. Uh, but, yeah, we, it's really just a waiting game to see how it affects things. But it certainly wouldn't be surprising if they decide based on these other moves that have happened and how there's going to be truly no talent around them at all next year, um, that, that maybe they would want to go, even if they were leaning towards staying at the end of the season itself. Now, now on the back end, I mean, some people have mentioned Seth Jones. Is that a possibility at all, even though with the no trade and all that sort of stuff, the no move clause, or is he here to stay for the long term? I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I think it's likely he stays. Um, for one thing, um, with his contract at this point, I don't think the Hawks would really be able to get that much back for him. Um, just the way the cap situation is around the league and how um, kind of poor that contract that the Bowman signed was. And I think the Hawks would be hesitant to uh, sell Jones for pennies on the dollar, considering the massive package they gave up just one year ago. I think it could also work out to have um, a really good player 
uh, a good leader like Seth Jones around through this rebuild to kind of anchor things, uh, be a mentor, give the team at least one semi-marketable space. Um, so I think it, they would be okay with keeping him around, a, potentially even a captain candidate after Taves leaves. But uh, we'll see what happens if a team came to them with a big offer. Uh, I don't think they would um, be against asking him to move the no-trade clause if he was willing to. Ben Pope, our guest. Uh, what exactly happened with uh, Dylan Strom here? It doesn't seem to, to make a lot of sense that they just let him go without a qualifying offer. Yeah, the Strom situation has been perplexing for years. Um, he obviously has struggled at times. He's also had really good stretches. The past or the, the second half of this past season was definitely one of those really good stretches. He was a point-per-game player uh, the last 30 or 40 games. Um, but uh, the Hawks have been trying to trade him really since the trade deadline of 2021 and have never really gotten that much uh, offered for him. From what I'd heard, it was a lot of sixth, seventh round picks, that kind of thing, which is mm. hard to believe. But uh, teams just really haven't valued him that much. And the Hawks really haven't been able to find a fit that, that suited them. Uh, so they kind of got stuck in the situation of having to make a decision of whether to qualify him at $3.6 million or just let him walk and, and tank without him. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of perplexing. They were never really able to figure out a, a perfect fit there. Uh, but I, and I do think he could be a very good complementary player on another team. Um, he does need good players around him. Like he doesn't really create his own chances that well. But um, when you have a, a good passer, a good playmaker alongside him, he can he can be a, a 40, 50 point guy. So um, it'll be interesting to see how next season goes and where he lands. Well, and, you know, the thing about him, too, is he kind of falls into the category as players that sometimes GMs look at as, you know, producing lots of empty points. To your point, they need to be sheltered. They need to have good support players around them. But then, you know, you'll see them sign a contract elsewhere, and then it works out in a couple of years. Sometimes the NHL trade market just does not make sense to the outside. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's especially through these past few years with the, the flat cap, with the cap not going up every year mm-hmm. like it did before COVID. We're seeing so many more restricted free agents left unqualified just around the league from um, Sonny Milano and Anaheim, Ilya Samsonov and Washington um, on down the list. Uh, there's so many guys that are good players that aren't getting kept just because of financial concerns. Um, and we've seen so many trades involving that too. Um, so yeah, I think that the trade market really is being a little bit warped by this current cap situation around the league and, uh, a lot of things aren't really making as much sense as, as you'd figure they would because of that sort of forgotten factor. Hey, Ben, really appreciate the time. Thanks for this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, there is Ben Pope, Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, the Blackhawks not tendering a qualifying offer to Dylan Strom. They traded Kirby Dock. They traded Alex Dabrinkat. Uh, look, you can quibble, and I know I would have expected them to get more, especially for Dabrinkat. The reality is, when you are committed to going into Mm -hmm. this type of a rebuild set, you just have to be unashamed about it and just go right into it. And that's exactly what Chicago is doing. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of tanking in the way that they are, but this is the system that they've been given, and it makes sense. Get rid of salary off your books. Make the owner happy that way, because you know you're not getting butts uh, into the building for a lot of the year, it's you, you. Unfortunately, the situation calls for you to be unashamed. Yeah, it, of it, how hard you have to tank. It does, and 
and it's not honestly like as much as we talk about the Seth Jones contract not being great, and it's not with you know how he's playing, but he's still twenty seven, and that's the only long term contract they have in the books. Yeah, you know, like after next season, even if they don't move Kane and Taves, that's going to free up another twenty one million. Right now, as it stands, they're staring at a minimum of forty five million in cap space next season. Yeah, so they just made three first round picks this year. Mm-hmm. They made two second round picks this year, plus they made three third round picks. So the next two years, they have two first round picks. The next two years, they have two f- second round picks. The next two years, sorry, the next two years, they have three second round picks. The next two years, they have four third round picks. Yeah. So that's seven third round selections in three years. That's a that lot. is five second round selections. And that is seven first round selections in a three year span. So if you actually make a couple smart trades, a couple young guys get through, you sign a couple free agents... We're not talking about a six or seven year thing necessarily with how clear their books are. Not every team has a chance to have that much clear money coming up free. Like some other teams, they have to go through a few years of tearing it so they can clear up that money. It's not a long wait for Chicago. You know, the uh, the idea of this, look, they're, they're going to have to have some salary on their books, but uh, maybe maybe Cannon Taves uh, do end up get traded, getting traded at some point away from this Chicago roster, it's it's not inconceivable that, you know, in three, four, five years towards the halfway point of that Seth Jones contract that they're back, you know, on the upswing, mm-hmm. right? Once they start filtering through some of these draft picks, using some of these draft picks as assets to go out and acquire players, and they'll have oodles of cap space to do it. It's um, it, It's not a terrible way of going about it. It's just well, the, the reality of the situation. Well, and the, the thing is, it comes down to where you are as a team. I mean, some people looked at Vancouver and said, hey, tear it down again. It's like, well, you have Pedersen and, and Hughes and you have this young core players already and you're already committed to them. I mean, how much of that do you want to tear it down? You already have those star young players to yeah. build around. You need more. You got to build around it. Chicago doesn't have much. No. They traded away so many draft picks. They didn't have much. So they're capped out, not a lot of flexibility, everything going on with the organization. It made sense for them to do this. It doesn't always make sense for every team to do this. And, and given no, your they circumstances, missed their wi- window to it do was it. before that. It was yeah. early. If you were going to do it, it would have to happen around 2013, 2014. That's when you would, you would have to really start that in earnest if you really want to do that. These teams here, it's a bit of a different situation. I, I do think, though, the biggest problem I had with, with Chicago was the bets they made in the draft, necessarily. Yeah. Like, I like Kevin Korchinski. And I guess you can say, they went super high upside, and if he hits, that could be a superstar point-producing defenseman. But if he's if he has to be sheltered and he can't play defense, then it might just be another guy that doesn't really help you. It just produces Tyson empty points. Yeah, empty points on the back end. It helps you, but not really, right? And Frank Nazar, I like him, and we'll see how he turns out. But does he have that elite-level upside? So I wonder with the selections they made, how much elite upside do they ultimately end up with? And that's my quibble or question, big question more than anything. But if you're committing to this this path, what they've done so far makes sense from an asset accumulation standpoint. But the other part of it, which is even harder than accumulating assets, is making the most of it. Yeah. And, and hey, it's easy to get the draft picks. It's easy to tear it down. It's harder to build it back up afterwards. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I didn't love their draft either uh, with, with what they did with the, those picks that they ended up with. Now, I guess the bigger conversation is just on tanking in general, Sat. 
And like, um, if we really need to have that conversation, uh, somebody is asking, are we promoting tanking now? Uh, I mean, (sighs) honestly, like it's a stupid thing anyways, but it's not even about promoting tanking or not. What, what avenue do you have to take to turn your team around? Yeah. Some teams, they have to take a longer term approach. That's a smart thing to do. Some teams, it makes more sense to do it on the fly. It makes more sense to be all in. It comes down to what you have. Like, I get so tired of this, like, anti-tanking, pro-tanking thing. It just comes down to your situation. What What's the best thing you have to do for your franchise to be good? It doesn't always have to be tanking. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. You know, but sometimes there's a negative connotations around it. But it really comes down to the situation. Bottom line is, if you are so anti-tanking, you are against the North American pro sports system. Every league does it. The only ones that, like... Okay, it doesn't really work in the NBA because you don't have players on long enough terms to actually have it turn around. The small market teams, how often do you see them actually turn it around and make it work, right? I, yeah, it worked for Milwaukee, but where did they get on Tedacupo? They got him in the middle of the first round. Yeah. It worked for Toronto, but wasn't necessarily because they tanked. It was because they got Ka- Kawhi Leonard in trade. You know, you have to be smarter about it than just hey, we got a tank to get the first overall draft pick. How did that work out for the Buffalo Sabres? You know, they missed out on Aaron Ekblad. They missed out on Connor McDavid. They tanked for so many years, didn't get any first overall picks. Finally do now with Rasmus Dahlin, and they're still going through it. It's it, Look, there's not one pathway to end up winning. But, yes, because of the North American landscape, this is how you can go about actually turning your team around. So I mean, that's the a, way that it works. It's a salary cap. I mean, I don't get worried about it. I mean, if you're anti-tanking, pro-tanking, whatever, I think you're wasting your time. It's about what can you do during, what can you do within the confines of a salary cap to make your team the best? And that's really m- my biggest question. And I look at a team that, like Chicago, for instance, now, mm-hmm. the thing that I find really instructive was a Dylan Strom part of it. We see this all the time where we talk about players who have some points and some goals and we're like, this guy's really good. This guy's scored 22 goals. He had 50-some points. He would look great on Vancouver's team. But you got to see how a player comes by those points, man. It yeah. really matters. And you watch Dylan Strom. There, there are things I like about his game, but there are a lot of things that are problematic. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the Sam Gagne syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, this guy's decent in the right circumstance. Yeah. But if you have him playing a big role, what does that, what does that say about your team? And if he can't play, a, if he can't be effective without playing a significant role, but he's not good enough for you to be good in a significant role, where does he fit? And how much does he pay that player? You know, and when he's already getting paid three million, so I, I think that's the real in- interesting part of it. A lot of these RFAs, how many of them are actually good? You know, and how many of them will actually flourish? And I think Dylan Strom, as much as people like him, if you saw him play for your team every day, you would start getting very, very annoyed with how that player plays. It's uh, one of those things about. Uh... Hey, look at this guy's analytical profile. It looks great. What's watch that player every day, and you'll you'll f- start to find some of the reasons that uh, NHL teams maybe don't love everything about their game the way that the uh, numbers might suggest. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. A lot on uh, the the Vancouver Canucks. At you know, there is a ton of these restricted free agents that are out there and available now. Dylan Strom is an interesting one. Um, Sam Steele was a name I was interested to see come available today out of Anaheim. A lot of times, you know, it could be as simple as we're scared to take this player to arbitration, so we're just going to cut ties here because we don't know what that arbitration number might look like. Let's just move on. Mm -hmm. And 
Other times you hear a player might be asking for a lot of money. Danton Heinen apparently asking for $3 million with Pittsburgh. Like he had a nice year, 18 goals, and I think he, he does a lot of things really well, probably looks good in a bottom six role. Do you want to pay him $3 million bucks a year? Probably not. Um, He's shooting a shot. He had, you know, he had ARP rights, yeah. scored enough goals. He asked for the type of money he thought he would get an ARP. So what? which of these non-qualified players are really all that interesting to you? I like the Sam Steele one. Yeah, to me is very interesting because he can play center. You know, he's got some size, he has some speed. That's the type of flyer you can take, and it's not going to cost a lot. You yeah. know, like can you get him cheap to try out? Now, the big question is why would a team like Anaheim, who needs young players, be so reluctant to keep a player like Sam Sam Steele? I think you know it's a fair question uh, to ask, but why not give guys like that a chance? You know, like I know he's not the biggest guy, but he has speed. It's um, with a player like Sam Steele, you see a guy that, hey, maybe at least I see a player that high expectations for what he may end up being. And that is maybe he's just like a solid bottom six guy. Or if he can do it consistently. And if he can do that consistently, maybe you have a player there. How much is is it going to cost? Mm-hmm. You're talking league minimum, essentially. You know, so like those are the types of guys I wouldn't be afraid of signing. 750, 800K, one year deal. Does one develop maybe for you? You know, a, a Dylan Strome probably still is getting a little bit of money. I don't pay Dylan Strome. Like if it's if it's well, anything over 2 million, I wouldn't touch it. And that's kind of what starts to get scary about yeah. it. Because is there a team that's going to be out there and willing to say, Hey, we'll, we'll pay three million bucks for that guy, and we don't have to give up an asset to get him. And he's still in his mid twenties. Maybe there's some opportunity there. Maybe it's a team that does have a lot of open opportunity, an Arizona of sorts, or maybe it's a contender that says yeah. we can shelter this guy pretty good, and he can provide for us. And whether it is a Toronto or an Edmonton, as some of the the rumors start to look, yeah. Like. And you know what I find interesting about about a guy like say Sonny Milano, for instance. Let's say Vancouver does make a J.T. Miller trade. Yeah. You're not going to be able to replace JT Miller in his production. But do you need another forward that can maybe provide some points, maybe on the man advantage when need be, play with some skilled players and give you a little bit of a baseline? What what do we say that if you move JT, how do you piece together his production next season? You're not going to be a contender. It's going to take some time. You're losing a big player. But hey, does Kuzmenko replace half those points? Do you get another guy to replace the other half a little bit? And at least, you know, you're you're replacing some of the production. Not the impact, but some of the production potentially. He would be interesting if you have the possibility of him winning a role. I don't like him being an extra forward or, you know, being on your fourth line. He's not going to have success in that role. But I wouldn't mind giving a guy like that a chance if all of a sudden you have a significant vacancy in your top nine and a player can come in and provide you some sort of offense. Um one thing about this too today, uh, so Matthew Highmore and Yuho Lamico, a lot of interest there as the Canucks did not tender qualifying offers to those two players. And that was a bit of a surprise. This happened with a lot of players around the league. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the teams aren't interested in bringing them back, but there's a lot of that type of player out there and available. So maybe it's, yes, we're okay with this player, but maybe there's other options out there for us as well. Mm. Not being tied into, this is kind of what Canucks fans have wanted for so many years, and now they're complaining about it, not tying yourself into uh, lower 
you know, bottom of the roster type players. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things they want to be, you know, cognizant of too is budget. Yeah. You know, they don't want to be, you know, as much as you want to have depth, it's like, hey, where is a redundancy? And where is, are we overspending on things that we don't need? And can we get guys on two way deals to provide similar sort of outputs or guys a little bit cheaper? And, and I wouldn't close the door on Highmore necessarily down the road here, mm-hmm. but I just don't think right now it's a team that wants to commit anything above league average or league minimum to anybody like that. Uh, we'll get Don Taylor's take on the Vancouver Canucks and what's happening this offseason. Is he starting to worry about the inactivity? That's coming up next on Canuck Central. Hour 2 of Canuck Central is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Uh, it was a fun weekend, Sat. Decided to go on a bit of a road trip. Not a big one. Oh. Just a little one. How far did you go? Uh, just to Bellingham. Oh, you crossed the border. I crossed the border. Did a little bit of shopping. Wow. How was the border wait? Uh, it wasn't that long. It was like oh. half an hour. So you you still got to get Nexus though. Yeah, yeah definitely. Nexus yeah. is so much easier. <laughs> it's, it makes at the airport much easier, um, but especially at the border. Yeah, especially at the border. Wife wanted to do the whole Trader Joe's thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you come in at under the uh, allowed? <laughs> yes, <laughs> nudge, yes, we nudge. did. No, we did. Wink, wink. This is this is one thing I've learned. Uh, you absolutely like never never lie to the border guards. Okay? No, it's not worth Always. it. Always, it's definitely it's like really it's really not worth it's it. It's not worth it. Um, but I I don't know. It's just like you know, Instagram and like social media have hyped up certain things in the world, and you yeah. like and you want to just see them just to like experience them. And that's what this was. It was just like going to Trader Joe's to see all their fun groceries and the things that they have. The packaged gnocchi. I was embarrassed a little bit. But but it's, you know, I, I love Trader Joe's. It's a great yeah, stop. It is a great stop. Yeah. Uh, Don Taylor, big big fan of tr- Trader Joe's I hear. What's up, Donnie? I've never been to Trader Joe's. <laughs> like, honestly, I think I'm the only person I've, I've never been. You've never been to a Trader Joe's? No. Oh, no, wow. I hear a lot about it, right? But. Uh, you think, given my rep as being very cheap, that I would, but I've just, I, for whatever reason, I've just never, I've never gone. And um, I have this thing where I argue a lot with Ryan Henderson on our show about him going across the line to shop and and get gas. So maybe that's part of it. I'm not sure, but I've never been. I heard it's pretty good. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things like it does get overhyped, but it's more about to me like getting some of the snacks and fun stuff you can't get in Canada. It's not about getting a good deal for me. It's more about like you get some stuff that you don't have access to here. Yeah, and and you know they feel the same way. I guess coming here as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> they can get ketchup percent. chips here. You know, they're like, well, yeah, <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> just living a diet of those, but thirty percent off is pretty good too. But. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I just, for whatever, is there one in Bell? I don't even know. It's so bad. I don't even, is there one in Bellingham? And, and there is, yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel, like, I feel like Dollywall is the one of the group that, that, that does uh, a lot of the jumping across the border to get some fun stuff. No, it, no? it's Ryan. Ryan all the Tendo? way. Yeah he's, in, yeah, he's into the Tillamook cheese <laughs> and uh, uh, cheap, cheap gas and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and like the cherry uh, Coke, right? Yes, very much so, right. But oh. what you can get here now, I think. But uh, 
Now, I, I, I mean, I mean, if I'm down there, of course, I'll, I, don't, I don't go out of my way to go down there and bring stuff back back across the lines because I'm a proud Canadian. I want to support our economy. I hear you. Uh, Don Taylor, Donnie and Dolly, 10 to noon, check TV, uh, Monday through Friday. Donnie, you uh, starting to get a little squeamish at the uh, lack of Canucks activity so far this offseason? Oh, definitely. It was just such a meh. Uh, week last week, and yeah, you know when it, when a new group comes in and they talk about uh, you know getting younger, getting faster, getting more prospects, increasing cap space, and none of it happens. It's pretty disappointing. So there was a lot of talk, not much walk. Let's be honest, and I know it's 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 early and, and all of that, but I just we were just expecting big things uh, uh, last week didn't happen. So now we're on to another stage. With free agency opening on Wednesday, and we'll see what happens. But it was, it maybe it's not fair because it is early. But um, it was, it was just a little underwhelming. How about yeah. that? Well, I, you know, and I think the biggest. I mean, to some, in fairness, we we talked so much about trades, and fans have been anticipating it. That maybe you know we've been anticipating something we've been talking up. But to be fair. You're right. They themselves had made it very clear everything is under consideration. They really want to clear cap space, lots of cap space. That's their main focus. Every time they talk cap space, cap space, cap space, cap space, they haven't been able to do that so far. And I think what what has happened is, you know, when we were kind of joking that, you know, when the pandemic began, we were all super excited about learning something new. We're going to take advantage of the time we have and we'll learn how to play the guitar. Then you realize, right. yeah, it's you know, by the time summer rolls around, you won't be able to play all your favorite songs at the campfire. It's going to take you a year or two to figure it out before you really master the art of it. And maybe coming into it, they thought, okay, we're going to do all these things. Then you realize how hard it is to move money off this team. And, and, and I think we all knew this when the team committed to OEL and to Garland. This team essentially committed to this roster for two years, and we knew it was going to be very hard to strip it down or at least make some trades. And maybe they were a bit naive to how hard or how easy it would be when they started. Maybe, although you'd think with Jim Rutherford's experience, that yeah. w- that wouldn't uh, that promise uh, wouldn't happen. And by the way, the guy around the campfire with the guitar, don't you hate that guy? <laughs> Have you yeah. guys seen the movie Animal House? Yes. I mean, you're a lot yes. younger than me. Yes. Where, the, where, where Belushi <laughs> you know, rips apart the guy's guitar and just smashes yeah. it to smithereens. Right. That's kind of what happened to the Can- uh, Canuck Nation last week. You know, all that promise just got right. smashed to smithereens on the stairwell. So, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it was almost like, the, all those promises were the moves of, of younger, uh, not younger, but in the case of Jim Rutherford, less experienced people. And, you know, n- n- nothing happened. But, again, it, it, it's, it's pretty early. And I guess it just gives you an idea of, you know, even though they had, you know, and I was at times, they had their defenders, the previous regime, and uh, they just didn't do a, a good enough job of, uh, of focusing in on things that would have made more sense for the team. You know, the longer this goes on, Donnie, the more I wonder if if the Canucks feel they've they've got a real shot at keeping JT Miller here in Vancouver. Well, you know, um, this is it, and this is something we've talked about on the show. Is are we looking at this from the wrong way? There's so much talk of moving Miller, so much talk of getting young prospects in return, of clearing up cap space. That maybe we're all looking at this the wrong way. Maybe the focus for Rutherford and Alvin is to keep the player who uh, managed to get 99 points last year, one of the be- best players in the league. Let's, let's be honest, certainly one of the most versatile and uh, productive players in, in the league. And 
you know, maybe the answer is, hey, let's let's go out of our way to keep him. Maybe we've been looking in the wrong places. Forget about trading the guy. What about what about keeping him? It's just that I I keep going back to how, and I know you guys have talked about this a lot. I know that because I've ripped it off for you guys. How <laughs> uh, you know how disappointing it would be for them to bring back the same core yeah. that you know that didn't make the playoffs. And I know the answer for a lot of people would be, well, let's see what they can do you know, a full season under Boudreaux. But it just I just wonder how that would sell. Uh, I just just wonder how how customers would feel about that. Well, and yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. And even even the owner himself, and you know what? Like, I think the JT Miller thing has been interesting. I think all along they've wanted to keep him. It just kind of comes down to are they able to? And I, I would still be surprised, Donnie, that we head into next season with the same roster. Like, I, I just don't force. I, I just don't envision that they just bring everyone back and they're extending everybody and they're all here for training camp. Like, I, I still think that if JT's back, he's extended. But they just can't extend everybody long term either. Like I, I don't know. I still think something's happening before training camp, one way or another. And so, and so if you keep Miller, what happens with Garland? What happens yeah, with Pearson? Exactly. Uh, Tyler Myers. Even though I think that's doubtful, given their, you know, the 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 how few right handed defensemen mm-hmm. of NHL quality they have. But I just if if it's not Miller, then again maybe we're looking. Yeah. For the most part, most of us in the in the wrong places. Maybe they are thinking of, of something else. But to bring back the same core and. You know, it's like everything else in life. It comes down to money in, in a business situation. I just wonder how that would play with the with the paying customer. That if you bring back the same core and go, hey, come on, you know. And, and by the way, there might be a, a you know things might cost a little bit more. Come and buy our product. I just I just can't see that happening. Well, the other part of this too is you know we, we're we're a couple of days away from free agency, but we look at the 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 cap picture, right? They've only got about five million in space. They haven't been able to clear more. It, it almost feels like the Canucks are paralyzed until they're able to to move, make any kind of a move here. Like it's hard to imagine them doing much else right now, Donnie. At least nothing of real significance unless they move some money out. Yeah, I just I just can't see. You know, five million in this day and age is isn't much, but mm-hmm. maybe it's just a really strong indication of how much work there is to do, and they're hoping that people can accept that. For like you say, a couple of years. That that's that's just the reality of, of the situation, and you know it's 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 a wait and see, and maybe there's some belief that they can do better a full season under under Boudreau, who they didn't seem to have that much confidence uh, in, and at the end of last season, it's really a, a head scratcher. And how much how much can they do with you know five million dollars? Mm-hmm. Louis Erickson is available, so there is that. <laughs> yeah. There is that. Now, I mean, you know, we did, We are seeing some change. I mean, if we're being really, you know, if we want to be really facts only about it, if Lamico and Highmore don't come back, the whole roster won't be back. There will be some changes, Donnie, especially on the fourth line. But I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not too surprised on the Lamico one. Like, ultimately, he, he lacks a lot of pace, and we'll see if they circle back, like we kind of talked about earlier. But on the Highmore one, you know, did, did, I'm a bit surprised they couldn't work out something with him, given that I, I thought they liked what he brought to the team. Towards the end of the season, I think one of the one of the uh, real high points of last season, one of the real positives, was that fourth line, and and I think the the surprise that Lamico provided, and he was useful, and I think I thought he got better as the season went on, and there was the speed of the fourth line. I thought that was that was one of the real positives, and I and I think too when you look back at last year, the Yulevi trade. I think everybody in town was more focused on Noah Jolson than they were on, on Lamico. 
partly because of where he was drafted and him being from around here of the Vancouver area, from Abbotsford, where he ended up playing most of the year. And he almost forgot about Lamico, and and it, he ended up to be he, he ended up to be decent. And so, if you change the bottom six, that's fine. But I think most of the customers were, were yeah. expected and wanted to, to see a change in the top six, at least one or two guys. Don Taylor, our, our guest. You know, the the draft goes by. They weren't able to get more draft picks. It, it, it feels as though. Um, we're getting to a point right now, Donnie, where the honeymoon period with this uh, this this current management group is is getting over, and, and we're not even through the first off season yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's just so Canadian market right now. Uh, it just it, it's so true. But uh, I, I guess you know we were promised not, not not I mean not we, but Canuck Nation was promised something different, and it just kind of felt the same last week. And I think that's where the disappointment comes in. There was a lot of that talk. It, it reminded me a lot, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but when Mike Gillis first came in, and there was a lot of like, we're going to change this, and I don't know about the Sedins. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember that, but he wasn't really sure about the Sedins. He wasn't sure about uh, Elaine Vigneault. And then he ended up bringing everybody back, and they really did well. Now, can that happen again? I'm not, I'm not so sure, but that last week kind of reminded me of when when Mike Gillis uh, took over. You know, there, at least there wasn't a Matt Sundin offer, so we'll we'll give we'll give these guys that. But it just just reminded me of that. There was a lot of talk, and and in the end, a, a not not much action. But it, with Mike, it ended up working out. You know, one thing I do uh, wonder about Donnie. We, we talked a little bit about this with with Frank Saravalli, but. We're, we're about to watch, at least in my opinion, Johnny Gaudreau move on from Calgary, even though the money is going to be best in Calgary. There is some level of a sentiment that while JT doesn't necessarily want to leave Vancouver, potentially his preference could be to play somewhere closer to home in the United States. The Leafs might be doing this uh, song and dance with Austin Matthews in the next couple of years. Flames, everybody in, around the Flames already thinks Matthew Kachuk is going to walk as soon as he can for, to unrestricted free agency. Do Canadian teams just have to significantly overplay American players to keep them them around? Does it feel like that's that's a part of the equation when you're a Canadian team? Yeah, you know, possibly. I mean, and I know we've talked about this before. Not every player wants to play in his hometown. That, for a lot of players, is is a myth, or a lot of guys just don't. You know they, they don't want that distraction, but I think as you get later in your career, you can handle that because there are distractions that happen, uh, you know, with your hometown. But guys, the thing that doesn't get talked about enough, and when you talk to enough agents, which Rick does, the, the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the tax situation. And I mean, there, you know, yeah, okay, you're, you're playing near your hometown, and the taxes aren't as bad. Uh, I mean, you work out what. Canadian teams have to Canadian players have to pay in taxes versus uh, Americans. It's it, in some cases like with Nashville, Florida, Dallas, teams like that. It the difference is stark. So you, there, there's that factor as well. So if you factor in, you know, being later in your career like a JT Miller, being able to ha- handle the distractions of playing at home, paying less taxes, there's a lot there that's pretty pretty attractive that Canadian teams have to have to work against. So I, 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 I totally can see that. Donnie, uh, we always appreciate the time. Thanks for this. 
Anytime, guys. Uh, what Trader Joe's? Trader what is Trader Joe's, right? <laughs> yeah, Trader Joe's. You got you got to do it. Uh, get okay. get 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 some of the fun stuff. You know, they got lots of great trinket stuff. You know, blueberry almond lavender okay. milk. It's great. My my wife loves it. Okay, so uh, whenever <laughs> I hear Trader Joe's, this is very Vancouver. So just stick with me here. And I don't know if you guys remember this at all. I don't know if there's a place like this back east, Dan, but there was a, a restaurant. It was near the Bayshore Inn called Trader Vic's, and it was a it was a Hawaiian themed <laughs> restaurant. And that when I was a kid, it was it, listen. There, there's old guys listening to this who remember who remember that place. Every time I hear Trader Joe's, I think of Trader Vic's. It was this it was this strange exotic cool restaurant when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s. And trust me, a lot, lot of your listeners uh, will know what I'm talking about. So whenever I hear Trader Joe's. I think a Trader Vicks. That's just me. Enjoy your blueberry almonds, and I'll be down there uh, and, and shopping there next time I go down. Uh, well, Trader Vicks apparently still uh, exists in Oakland. Uh, I'm oh, seeing really? here, Oakland, California. Okay. There's a Trader Vicks. Nice oh. road trip, Donnie. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so it's between Vic and Joe. I'll make a decision next time I'm across the line. Awesome. Thanks for this, Donnie. Okay, guys. Anytime. Uh, there is. Uh... Don Taylor. <laughs> Man, Trader Vicks are like everywhere. They're in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates. How did they ever leave Vancouver? This is unbelievable. Yeah, closing van in 96. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never went to Trader Vicks. Well, you can go to uh, a World Cup match. Go see Canada play in the World Cup in Qatar and end up with the post-game bevies at uh, Trader Vicks yeah. in Doha. Do- I don't a know classic that- tradition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, when in Doha. <laughs> Forget Rome. Uh, they claim to be the home of the original Mai Tai. The original Vi- Mai Tai. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Hawaiian themed, right? Yes. Yeah. Trader Vicks. Trader Vicks. Never heard of this place. Anybody else go? Nope. No, I mean, we'll see the text inbox so far. Not a Trader Vicks. <laughs> <laughs> Lavender milk? I didn't realize lavender had... Okay, wait, wait. You can see it. I mean, that's nipples. A, yeah, yeah. It's not a. Yeah, I guess so. They're nipples. <laughs> it's not. You need to worry about saying nipples. Then it's okay. That said, much worse yeah. on the station. Hey, before. I was reading a quote. <laughs> Bill Guerin said it. All I did was I, I was the agent for the people. Yes, that's what I was. All right. Uh, so yes, the uh, blueberry almond lavender beverage is something my uh, my wife just can't live without. So we may have to make regular trips to Trader Joe's now. Mm, so I don't know who yeah. like put all those things together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who was like, you know what's gonna be good? This is gonna be great. Yeah. And yeah. then it was. <laughs> uh Kevin and Surrey. Trader Vicks was legendary. So was the Hawaiian village in New West. Uh Donnie will remember that one as well. Kevin and Surrey. Hawaiian village in New West. I mean, hey, I mean, uh people do know that. The Hawaiian pizza was created by a Canadian, not a Hawaiian. It's definitely not made by an Italian, I'll tell you that much. So, there, so I'm, just, I'm just saying that there is, like, oddly when food, Hawaiian and Canada, there's something there. I don't know why, but there's yeah. something there. Uh, must be a West Coast thing. Uh, kava bowl, uh, bowl rum drink is one. Kava, like lava, mm. but kava. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of this Trader Vicks. It's, this is, like, all new to me. And Donnie had no idea that it was a chain in like all the fanciest places in the world. <laughs> it's 
probably a big on like uh, you know Dubai Instagram is to go over to 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 Trader Vic's. Anyways, they have like random random palm trees they like planted in. Uh, probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, Darren and Delta Trader Vic's was a high end restaurant at the Bay Shore. It's now Cordero's. You know the one on the water. Oh. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. So that's what Donnie was talking about. Yeah. Donnie evoking fun memories. <laughs> of Trader Vic's? Yes. We have all the Trader Vic's clan coming out. I also, uh, I, I, we went to... Um, um... <laughs> I'm not, no. I'm yeah. not I'm not going to retell uh, the text that Jeff is telling me to retell. Okay. On the text inbox. Something to do with a Mercedes and a lawn? Yeah, no. definitely don't <laughs> do that. Definitely not, no. Definitely do not do that. So, uh, we, we also went to, uh, Bella's fair, you know, just, oh yeah, we, we do, you do a little bit of shopping across the border. When I was in high school, Bella's fair for basketball sneakers. It's, it's like, it's kind of sad, man. <laughs> like a sad mall. Uh, it, it's, um, I don't know, like malls in here in Vancouver seem to still be kind of thriving. Well, maybe not thriving in the way that they used to, but I don't know. You go to Metro town, it's still pretty busy, um, the last time I was over at Guilford, it was it was fairly busy. Josh is at Guilford like every day. So yeah, I was there on the weekend. Yeah, was it busy? It was busy. See? Lots of stores. Lots of stores. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's how malls malls were. You, Not Bella's Fair. <laughs> you, you go to the airport. Uh, you know the the outlet mall over yeah. there. Always busy, especially on a nice day. Oh yeah. Um, Bella's Fair was empty on Saturday afternoon. Mm. <laughs> it was there's like a lot of empty stores. Kind of, it's, oh. it's not a great look, man. It's not good. I mean, I haven't been, I haven't been there in a. We long stopped time. at Auntie Anne's for a pretzel, and it was like, is this pretzel three days old? I don't know. It could be. It could. It very well could be. <laughs> you know, uh, an underrated outlet uh, store in Washington is in North Bend. North Bend. North Bend. Haven't been. Yeah, I remember we went to. Uh, is it like a Nike store? Is it just and they like had a, a, I mean, a I, I think they store? had Nike. I think they used. To, I mean, I don't. I don't know. Uh, it's a premium outlet ah. mall, so they had everything pretty much. Okay. But I, I remember I, I went to a uh, basketball camp in Gonzaga, which is in Spokane. Look at you. This was when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And elite uh, point guard. Knees still work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, my knees still worked. Yes. When I could actually run around and and, and do stuff, but. We start stopping North Bend. I remember buying like basketball jerseys. I got like a Sonics jersey. I had like I got like Grizzlies jerseys for like five bucks, six bucks. Now the letters may have been crooked on it, but <laughs> I only I paid six hundred bucks. Buying may yeah. have been a fugazi. <laughs> uh, anyways, Trader Joe's was kind of fun. It's just yeah, uh, your your partner will love it if you go if you tra- take them to Trader Joe's. Just throwing that out there. Everyone is either a Target or a Trader Joe's. Yeah person uh one or the other can't be in between wow we gotta read this text um uh, my father actually proposed to my mother at a trader vicks back in the early 70s his name coincidentally vic Mm. (laughs) that's cool uh i bartend at trader vicks in toronto way back when love the mai tais that's uh bruce de la bruce Ooh, mai tais it's really hot tonight today it's maybe maybe a mai tai It's it's definitely a beverage tonight. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Coming up, back in on your Vancouver Canucks and uh, just what the heck happened with the Blue Jays in Seattle over the weekend. Uh, It's coming up. Final hour of Canucks Central.